Okay, so is the Bay Area real estate market back? Is the demand up? What is going on with the current layoffs that we have across the different tech sectors? This Bay Area city is named the worst where a Gen C stands a chance of owning a home. We're going to talk about mentality, some strategies, but also options when it comes to this. And then we're going to also discuss a little bit about Google. So Google has the recent report that came out and they still have done very well in terms of growing their top line revenue. However, they are still continuing to end and trim their office deals while they trim more of the global workforce. And we're going to talk about that, how that may impact the Bay Area real estate market. But if you have any questions, if you if you work at these companies, feel free to drop in the comments. Feel free to have this dialogue uh, every week, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday night, depending on the week itself. We're going to have an open conversation. I want to talk to you guys about what's been going on. I want to give you my input. And this is a communal thing. So if you're able to tune in live, be sure to tune in live. If you can't, just leave in the comments and then I'll, I'll be sure to go over it at a later show. One other article that just came out from Redfin, San Francisco is coming back. Home buyers are leaving the Bay Area at half the pandemic era rate. We're going to talk about, is that really happening? Or is there some interesting clickbait article that they did, but that's not the real methodology of are they actually leaving or not? There's a lot to uncover for that. But that one didn't really boil me, but um, there are some things that you guys all need to be understanding of what is the real reality. So let's talk about first housing. So if you are looking to buy or sell, you may be going to an open house. Leave in the comments below, is it much busier than it was a month ago? Did you make an offer for a home? And if so, how many people did you compete for a home? Are you having success? Did you know that that was li the likelihood of that offer, of where that would stand? The reality is there is a lot more home buyers that are back in, the, back in the market right now as we speak. And why is that? A lot of things occurred, if you think about it, and just track the news. Number one, interest rates are lower. They are lower than it was a few months ago. And so people felt it was a good time for that. The stock market is much higher. So people have liquidity of that. Quite frankly, a lot of people have been waiting for many years. And for whatever reason, it happens every single year. They feel it's a good time to get into the market and find their own place. Let's look at that. Here's the stats because I just messed it all together. All the counties, Alameda, Contra Costa, San Francisco, San Mateo, Santa Clara. So there's so many different data points. And from a median perspective, you can see like there are general signs of seasonality here. And this is pulled back to even November of last year, November 2022. You can see December was a lowest point of that time. And then from December, when kept increasing upward to spring, kind of was relatively a little bit lower in like the summer and fall season. And then it declines, similar, November, December. And right now we're seeing again of January. So think about these stats, right? And why is this the real, Why is this kind of common? December transactions were from November closings. Why? It takes a month to get in contract, right? It takes, it takes a month to actually close on a home. It takes time to process. January numbers are actually December homes. And you have all seen, especially if you've been following us, how many homes come on and go, come and go during December time? It's a lot less. But the January fig, the, the February figures, which will be released at the end of February, 
will be from the January ones, and you will see a big change. So when you do the comparison of other homes as a comparable, it's not all equal to just be like, oh, that home sold in December, sold for X, and now this is worth Y. You're going to have to find a few, and then also that's one data point to assess, but you also need to understand what is the competition for it because, as you can see, at least historically and likely this year, given what we have already seen, we're going to see a no normal uptick of homes, of prices, and so you have to factor that accordingly to remain competitive. It is what it is. Uh, there's no other way to describe it. Like There are seasonality. A lot of people go back in at the same time. How many of you guys left the country in December? Quite frankly, how many of you guys are watching are not even in the country today? Many of my clients are still on vacation. They're still traveling. So it's normal. And, and kids are still in school. But when it comes time for spring, that's when generally the most amount of homes come on the market, but also the most amount of buyers. So if you're a buyer in this market, what should you do? You should try to be able to find a place that could work today. So for many of my clients, I tell them, expand your search as much as possible, right? Have it as wide of a search that you can, because you don't want to be like, oh, I'm going to expand my search once the market picks up, because by then you may be then priced out of that area altogether too. So have it as broad as possible, but still have preferences. Maybe 1A is a certain area, 1B is another area. You would be happy there. You get a little bit bigger home because you, you want to already start having as big of a net as possible because you're not going to see that many anyways. That's number one. And number two, just still remain at it. Don't give up. This is normal. You're not the only buyer for a place, right? There's always going to be lots and lots of buyers that want to buy a home in all, all price brackets. I mean, I have clients in the $3 million plus range. It is very competitive in that range. Buyers in the $2 million range, very competitive there because they all focus on their what they're at with their life, right? You can actually think that the 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 cheaper ones, like the starter homes, like a condo is actually the least competitive. So depends on your situation. You're going to be dealing with different pools of people, but get into a place that works for you, that works for your current means. If you're still working and you're doing well there and you feel it's time, this is a good time to go for it. And my contact details are below. So do reach out. But I wanted to point this out. We're going to go over a little bit more detail about this at a later episode. But for this, I want to give you generally what's been going on. And that way we can also just drive into the news of the week. So some of the news of the week, and I like to talk about this Bay Area City. What is the Bay Area City named the worst where Gen Z stands a chance of owning a home? Drum roll, please. Where is that place? Of the 102 cities analyzed, one Bay Area City was named the, the worst. Uh, of the 102 cities analyzed, Fremont ranked third worst in home price to income ratio. Fourth in inventory per thousand and last in home sold over price. Bay Area County medium is Fremont. San Jose was the other Bay Area city to rank in the bottom five. It received a 23.85, which is a fourth worth worst in Gen Z homeownership. The average home price is 1.3. No California to crack the top 50 of the list in terms of uh, affordability. So this is an interesting thing when it comes to the people that analyze. I'm not sure what exactly they're analyzing here, to be fair. The reality is at the end of the day, there's two things that I find really interesting. There is absolutely a divide. There are some people that like that they're just not making enough to do well here. And they're not they're, they're gonna have more renters. I, in my opinion, over time, I think we're gonna have a bigger divide. We're gonna have more people own multiple homes. We're also gonna have more renters over time. I don't I don't see that happening any other way 
unless there's a lot more homes that can be built. But that's the case. Because think about this. For many of you that are watching and many of your friends, when you first bought that home that you bought, maybe it's a condo, maybe it's a townhome, maybe it's a single family, smaller one. Did you have to sell that to buy the next one? For many of you and many of my clients, the answer is no. So that home that used to be that starter one does not become available on the market for someone else to get. You're not leaving it vacant. You're just renting it out. You may not even be making any money on it, to be fair. But that is the that is just the reality of how things ultimately played out over time. Now, for those people that are coming in, there's also the aspect that people like to complain about how expensive things are here, but they don't really complain or talk much about their income. I've talked to so many people this week. They make hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. And typically, from a lender perspective, they allow you to borrow 43% debt to income. So let's do that math. Uh, so 43% debt to income. However, most are not buying even anywhere close to that. Many are buying at a conservative amount of, let's say, 30% debt to income. So I did some math with this one particular client. The math of this is, can they buy a $1.3 million house? And if they make that kind of income relative to that debt. So a $1.3 million house, if you put 20% down, is an equivalent of a monthly about $8,000 a month. Now, if you do that debt to income math of 30% gross, that's an equivalent of 322000 this was a couple that they were a female was a, a newer engineer, software engineer. The partner was a little bit more established. They make way more than that amount, right? So they make significantly more than that as a, as a, as a group. And they're only in their 20s. Now, imagine if you had that ability of like you worked in that capacity for five to 10 years, Right. What do you think about that? Like that, then they saved a lot of money. I, the IC levels of L3, L4, L5, they've been making more money, right? For many of them, their stocks have done well. So all of these have been drivers for that people to save more money and to be able to afford a lot of these places. And even the places that are buying the $2 million homes, they're not like all managers. Like it could be a manager on their own buying it, but most of them could be dual income. And so because of that, and as long as we continue to have a lot of people still having dual income, you still have like this level of success. Now, granted, that's not for everyone, right? And so if you're not in the tech industry, that's okay. There are options. Like I just did the math, like the medium sales price in different counties drops significantly. Like talk about Santa Clara County where the medium there is a blended of 1.5, 1.6. But if you go to like Contra Costa County, it's already 800,000. That's half off. Now you have different stigmas about it. At the end of the day, like think about your investment as like the next milestone of the next five years. It's okay to buy a place in Contra Costa County, Hondo, townhome, single family that works for you today. Use that money, use that time, save more money to then eventually trade up to a closer location. Like I had a client that we, she lived in El Dorado Hills, lived in there for a long time, sold that one, moved into a townhome in Sunnyvale. Now she's considering to buy a single family or a bigger home in the area like think about these are stepping stones so don't feel like oh don't complain that you can't do anything understand like if fremont is too expensive for you newark union city hayward right lots of those options if that's too expensive for you go across the other side of the hill livermore 
Like you got some million dollar places still there today. If that doesn't work, then people go to Tracy, $700,000, right? So the key is there's a lot of options. It's very easy to complain. Like, obviously I can complain. Look, why can't I get a Palo Alto home for a million bucks? Like this life is so unfair. I want to live next to Stanford. I want to have all these great things, but I want it for a million bucks, right? That's just not reasonable. So I think a combination of people are complaining way more than before. But number two, they're just not understanding. Like there are stepping stones. It's really easy to complain. People don't complain about their income, but there are a path to get there. And it doesn't mean you're going to get this grand home on day one. So hopefully that helps. Next, Google Parent chooses AI over real estate for now. Alphabet spends more than $1.8 billion to end office deals, trim global workforce. Uh, Alphabet's profits and sales are growing steadily, but the Google parent remains committed to deep cuts of its to its expansive real estate portfolio global workflow as it turns to areas including AI. It will still maintain its much slower pace of hiring and continue to optimize our real estate portfolio as it directs the savings to high growth initiatives. That's what they said recently. Along the sites, the Silicon Valley company paid more than $2.1 billion last year in severance and other charges related to the region's workforce. I think people need to understand this, right? Uh, let me see this. I think people need to understand this. While it, it sucks for people to be laid off and to be impacted, um, the fact is, like, same thing again. There are so many people that got massive severances, like, I mean, there's there's a lot of people that got paid a really, really good package. Now, it sucks to be laid off, especially if you've been there for a long time. But don't think that they got cut and they had no pay. Like, that's not how a lot of these big companies work, right? So don't feel too bad. I mean, feel bad, obviously, they lose their job. But it's not like they're just cut. Like, they have to leave right away. When I was at small companies, and if there was like a layoff, we get cut and there's no salary. There's no severance. So I've dealt for the brunt of it like oh surprise this is we're gonna do a layoff and uh yeah there's no bonuses there's no severance you're just good luck and it's like all right well hopefully people have been saving money but a couple of things different things i want to bring up too is alpha employ a boatload of people 182,000 people by the end of 2023 down from the year prior of just eight is that it's just eight thousand less of all this press that you see eight thousand what is that? Just 6% cut? Hold up, hold up. All this press, 4% cut. All this press, all this press of Google laying everybody off was a 4% riff, right? Like that is, uh, that is, it's not as big as people say. Like it, because Google has so many employees, it feels so dramatic. But the reality is, is like, 95% plus is uh, still still working at these companies. The other thing, though, to be fair is Google over the last few years went way too crazy about their corporate real estate space. And they did it for different reasons. One, they were on a massive hiring spree. And they were actually hiring a lot just to get competition away from other people, to do all these different projects. And because they didn't even have the threat of ChatGPT or OpenAI for them. Now, because you have a big player like that that will impact their their growth and their future growth, um, and things are not as rosy as it was before, they unfortunately overhired, and they unfortunately had way too much corporate real estate space like crazy because they were going to go through lots of future plans. Did you know even the Bay Area, they had like the San Francisco office, 
They have the massive corporate campus. They're going to build more in Mountain View. They're going to expand in downtown San Jose. Like they went just crazy about acquiring so much space. Because look at it now. How does a company list now 1.5 million square foot of office space? And this is just the, the ones that they still have. These are not the ones that they're planning to even build. So like unless um, like my thoughts is it doesn't like, I'd be surprised if there's any new developments that Google's going to even attempt to do. Like, why would they want to do anything in downtown San Jose? Like, like why? They've had plenty of space already today. Why would they spend the money on building it? Like you got to still construct it and then you got to like operate it. It doesn't make any sense for them to keep doing that, especially with what they're doing with. Now, it doesn't mean they're going to have like uh, a massive layoff of like 50% of the people, but still, they still have so much that they can cut because they just went too much to begin with. Right. So don't be surprised with that. Um, I think they, they hired way too many people in the past, but at the same time, they had way too much uh, corporate real estate space uh, to begin with. They just had way too many offices. Now, I'm going to wrap things up with this because this is always like, this is always uh, concerning about these reports. And I want to really point it out because people will catch, catch on to this. San Francisco is coming back. Home buyers are living in the Bay Area at half the pandemic error rate. Sounds very catchy, right? The Bay Area had a net outflow of 26,000 home buyers in the fourth quarter, down 13% year over year and down by a factor of two from September 2021, when moves away from the Bay Area peaked amid the pandemic-driven remote work boom. The rate of buyers in the Bay Area has slowed as San Francisco comes back to life. So when I look at this, I'm like, okay, that's a that sounds interesting. It sounds like a lot of the same messaging that we're constantly getting, right? We're, we're constantly hearing that. But let's see, how how do they actually determine this methodology? Let's review this together. Our migration analysis is based on about 2 million Redfin users who viewed four sale homes online across more than 100 metro areas from October 2023 to December 2023 to measure the share of home buyers looking to relocate from one metro to another. We calculate the portion of overall home searchers that are migrants. This is interesting, right? Is that really mean? Let's, let's keep going. A reference user count as a migrant if they viewed at least 10 for sale, for sale homes in the relevant three-month period and at least one of those homes was outside their home metro area. For instance, if a Redfin.com user base is in Seattle, views 10 homes in a three-month period and all of them are in Phoenix, that user count as a full migrant to Phoenix. Hold up. Okay. So that's that's option one. If a user based in Seattle views 10 homes in three months and are and five are, but five are in Santa, that user counts as a half a migrant to Phoenix and half of a migrant to San Diego. If a user based in Seattle views 10 homes and blah blah blah, that counts as that way. What was interesting here about this stat and this analysis? The thing that is interesting about this is what if they're just buying a rental property? Or what if they just kind of gave up on a on their buying their own home and because they don't want to move to another place, they're buying investment properties? Are they migrants? Can someone answer that? Are actually they migrants? Because if that was the case, if the drop was like this, if this is the real drop, why did San Francisco's home prices not follow this same thing? Does anyone have an answer for that?
we're just comparing numbers, right? If there's far fewer home buyers are leaving the Bay Area and you want to put San Francisco or the Bay Area, why why is this this is a this is a these are net migrations out if that was the logic. Right? If that was the logic, there's net, net migration out. So why did home prices not go accordingly? There's so many less buyers. There's so many less buyers, but for some reason, you don't see a bunch of people leave, or you don't you don't see a bunch of home prices completely decline. Right? It should just be a straight decline. If there's that many less home buyers, like why are, why are prices either staying flat or why are they staying the same? There's some basic questions. And the answer is not. So the reason is because a lot of people are, and this is what I mentioned before, a lot of people are multi-home owners. A lot of people are multi-home owners. Like if when you have a home, think about this. And you let's say you have a single family home and you're all good. You're happy with where you live. You have two options for your next move. Do you sell your do you keep your home or sell your home to buy a bigger home? Or do you buy investment properties and have more exposure to real estate? So a bigger thing is they're not necessarily leaving per se, but they may be looking to invest and park their money somewhere else. How many of you that watch own multiple properties? And how many of you buy properties out of the area? Right. And so that happens. Like they have the liquidity, they have the ability. They're just buying others. Now, the downside, I mean, imagine if you were a local buyer in, in that kind of market. And now all of a sudden you have Bay Area money that's going to compete against. It sucks for those people, right? Because now you're competing against very, very wealthy people, relative speaking, right? Imagine if you're buying a place in San Antonio, you're buying a place in Jacksonville, right? Like these areas where their, their local income is low, but you as a as a Bay Area person can aff easily afford that and can buy that in all cash. So that's what's really happening with a lot of these stats, right? Like, do some people move? Yes. Does it, is it nearly the same as this? No. Because a lot of people can just be looking in other markets to buy additional homes and they may keep their existing one. And that's the reality why you don't see that kind of massive price decline, even though this is a huge clickbait article. And it's very, very sexy when you see this, right? You're like, wow, everybody's left. So theoretically, everything should be a good buy. Hopefully that breaks it down for you guys to understand more. I got a question here. Thoughts on BMR or affordable housing and how that market is tapped? So good question. So how does BMR affordable housing actually work? Typically, these work because when you when a when a new construction developer is thinking is planning to build a spot, like a build like an apartment unit or build a building, they have two options. They can factor some portion of that in that's going to be BMR. And some have the option to just buy it out outright, as in I will pay. Basically, they're like penalties, or but it's it's just a math equation. It just it's like it's all relative to them what they want to do. Of like, okay, how much do things cost? Is it worth doing it? If I'm going to sell per unit in this area for X, does is it better to do this or is it better to do like all non BMR? What you also see some creative things. Let's take a look at some of the ones in San Francisco, right? There's some new towers. Like, uh, let me think. I think uh, I think Seraph is one of them, right? Where they you can they'll build a new tower and then they have like a little mini building that's all BMR, right? So that protects the feeling of the people that pay a certain price for that, and then also for 
the BMR, they just have less amenities and it's just its own building. Uh, so I've seen a lot of creative ways to do that. You also see some uh, options where it's like, it's just all mixed together. Like a lot of townhomes could be mixed together. Like some could be a $1.5 million townhome and others could be like a $500,000 townhome. Now the, the, the issue with that is it, it depends on your goals, right? The issue with that is your resale is different, right? The amount, like, like your resale is somewhat capped as to what the city or the county wants to do for you. So you got to be mindful of that. The other thing to be mindful of is the uh, the chances of getting in is not easy. So my suggestion, and, and there's also caps of that, right? You can't make a certain amount of income. But it's not a bad option for those that get lucky to get into it and that can make it work. Uh, but I will share, I know a lot of people that really took advantage of this, right? Because there are many ways to like fit into this mold. Um, you can do it on your own and yet you may have a partner that earns a lot of money. Let's say that's an income kind of related thing. And you're now both living in this really cheap one and you, or you could, you could have this income at an early stage of your career. And so some people do that when they don't make a lot of money. I've seen many physicians do this. All you physicians, you guys know how to play this kind of game. There's many physicians that play this game. So they get a BMR because when you're you're when you're going through like residency and these other programs, your income is very very low, but you know it's a very stable job. You're going to make a boatload of money as soon as you graduate. So there's there's these people there is these there's these games that are in place. Like it is a lottery, but if it works, it works, and they do that, and then down the road they they will sell it. But it helped them because it was like really affordable to own that place, right? Especially if your alternative was rent, the place is really really nice. Right? I mean, this, these could be new buildings. So there are a lot of there are a lot of interesting strategies that I have personally seen. So when you're in this industry long enough, you will see lots of um, lots of ways to make it work. And uh, so don't be surprised. Jason, always good to see you. Thank you for tuning in. And of course, if anyone has any questions or if you're thinking about buying, selling or investing in the Bay Area real estate market, my details are below 408-547-4590. Feel free to leave in the comments. And I'll see you next time. Bye now.